In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... to you this week by Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar. Welcome in to episode 19 of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase, and that's one episode for every Duggar. Yes, it is. Young Duggar. I'm Nick, and I've got to go now. No, I have a policy. You don't like the Duggars. Okay, no, 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 that's not a factual statement. I have no problem with the Duggars. Your face turns red every time I bring them up. And you roll your eyes. It's usually the context in which we start discussing them. Oh, okay. I really – look, I, I enjoy this part of the show because we don't know what you're going to say before we get to the show. True and so story. it is usually pretty entertaining until it references – The Duggars. Auburn football. Oh. Um, but that that one was – That'd be uh, number two in the country. Yeah, both polls too. Like yeah. there's no there's no division for you guys. How did this get on college football? I'm not talking look, about college football today. Because I, I would lose. rather talk about Auburn being number two than the Duggars. Oh, you hate wah, wah, you hate wah. you, you hate the Duggars and, and you hate Ole Miss. Hate is not so, the right word. There's a lot of hate in this room. There Are they from Mississippi? That would help the whole thing. <laughs> they're they're from Arkansas. If oh, you don't look. know. Hey, I- <laughs> If you don't know, Jim, Bob, and Michelle Duggar are the parents of 19 children. They have their own show on TLC, widely successful, called 19 Kids and Counting. Over the years, it's changed names as you know, it started Jim off with like – Jim and Kate Plus 8 or whatever the name was. was Jim successful and for who? <laughs> well, John and Kate Plus 8. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole John and Kate Plus 8, they, those people seemed a little – I don't know. I don't want to be – just a, a little something – Unpleasant, but the Duggars actually seem uh, they seem like decent folks. They are. So I don't know what Nick has against them. Okay, so I will. Say, I'll admit this. I've, I've the things I've seen about it is press about the show, and it's usually them getting interviewed and, and things like that. And and they are heavily sensationalized by the media. And so I will. Uh, why do you hate them? I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. I like. Oh, them. He hates Mississippi. Oh, speaking of hate, something I don't hate is our intro music. It was awesome, which was Thank provided this much. week by uh, Jeff Chase to bring us back. Uh, thank you. Well, that's scary when I'm bringing this back on track. Um, provided by Jeff Hendricks and his band, Not Unlike Chip Tune. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal job. Now, this that song. All, look, that was well worth the wait, Jeff. That it I, was I just, awesome. What I wanted to point out is this song was suggested by you, yes. David. And the song is Cult of Personality. Yep. And is it any wonder that David McConnell would select that <laughs> wow. song with did you those just, lyrics? Did you just do that? I did. What are you saying? I well, I leave it to the let the listener decide, as the Bible says. If you want to throw your commentary in on the uh, the track here or anything that's happened so far, there's a couple of ways you can contact us. You can reach out to us on Twitter, Emmanuel, at my Gospel Friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash Hall of Dogma. Voicemail, you've got 205-575-9735. And for people who don't live in this country, boom. All right. There you go. Um, we finally <laughs> said no it mess right. up this week. Woo! We've got SpeakPipe, uh, speakpipe.com slash the Gospel Friends. I'm out. All right. And I do awesome. believe. Good job, Nick. Good show. You made right. it through. Good job. Woo! I do believe Jeff Hendricks is actually calling for another suggestion. Well, that's what I was hoping. Hey, we've got to get yeah. – let's crowdsource this one, though. Okay. 
All right. Let um, us crowdsource. Let's get some suggestions from see, I'm, Twitter and I'm all of Dogma. Uh, a good, I think a good Christian song. We'll move back from David's secular, <laughs> hellacious kind of unsaved music that makes all of I will this. say after that stance he took last week on music, for him to change cult of personality is a little interesting. It is a little interesting. But by the way, it's just great song. I, I do like that song. Great job, Jeff. But let's get at a kind of an old classic, crazy Christian sort of thing. It says here in, uh, yeah, on the Hall of Dogma where he posted it first, he said, um, he said uh, uh, that he um, was going to take a short break. I think they okay. did a lot of work on this one. I bet, I bet they did. It sounded like. But a then ton he of work said that um, he said so. After this, we're going to take a short break. But they definitely want to be making more as they get a chance. And uh, he 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 wondered about some old school tunes to go with old school sounds. Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, oh my. Rich Mullen, something along those lines. So I, I can think of a lot of possibilities. But look, they have done a fantastic job, and I have. Uh, you know, having uh, some uh, built-in intro music for us has been great. And uh, but I, I've, I'm going to be hopefully that'll be my uh, ringtone soon. I need a uh, Dan Sounds to good. make the ringtone again. Go Dan. Uh, so you know, just so I don't have to. Well, guys, what's on tap for today? Uh, well, for me, we're going to deal with an email from uh, at Adhesive Wombat. Good old friend Bean, who posted last week, um, emailed in, I think, asking us about... Um, if he's emailing, do we use his Twitter handle? Probably not, but uh, okay. that's a good, good point. Let's Sorry, use his social security number. <laughs> I'm so I still in, feel bad for that guy. I'm so remember. kind of in Twitter that it's almost like your Twitter handle is a second name for me. So, that's like, um, at I Love Barbies goes along with Chase right away, and, you know, at... <laughs> Never mind. Move on. So anyway, we are all uh, of my comebacks were inappropriate, <laughs> so I'm choosing to remain silent. There was a lot I just edited, y'all. So just um, in your own, your filter caught a bunch. It was supposed to be an inside thing with the show. The audience was supposed to think I. Anyway, I, I caught it, Nick. Good job. Thank you, Chase. Being being sent Bean. in an article from the New York Times talking about how cities are dealing with homelessness, basically trying to, it seems like, outlaw it. And he's, he's asking the question, why is the church more concerned with this sort of thing? How should the church respond? And so we're going to talk a little bit about, um, about that and, and the issue of serving as Christians today on the podcast. All right. I'm going to talk about um, an article from The Resurgence, uh, 10 Bad Reasons to Be a Pastor. And um, this is more kind of conversational. It, reading through these, I went, well, yeah, but I also – figured there's a reason they came up with these, and so thought we'd chit-chat about those for a minute. it's going to be awkward if our reasons for being a pastor is on that list, isn't it? What we if we have, have to, to resign on the show? Like on the air. That would be dramatic. And probably My get plan will listeners. be complete. Good job. And Nick will take over. Is this well, why you I, asked us last week, why did you guys become pastors? <laughs> huh? What? Oh, that that was in the part that I cut out. Oh, sorry. Okay, so uh, I'm going to talk uh, – I want to do big deal or little deal, kind of cut – couple of good stories. Um, should Muslim football players be penalized? Um, which, in fact, happened last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll also talk about um, should Gordon College, a Christian college, lose its accreditation because it bans uh, certain sexual activities outside of marriage? Awesome. All right. Sounds good. We're going to start off tonight with uh, what were you thinking? Global edition. Dun, dun, dun. We like this to go so every week at this week. time. We span the globe. <laughs> oh wait a well, minute, that's Colin Cowherd. Sorry, we're, we're really not. Don't sue us, Colin. Yeah, we're really not. Oh, he's a big fan of the show. He's a listener. So no, this is uh, what were you downloader. thinking? I mean, with international listeners, we need to have an international show. And so there's there's as I have found in the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of odd stories from the globe. And so this week we're going to kind of get right back into it with uh, 
What were you thinking? What were they thinking? Global edition. We're going to start this week, guys, in Japan. Nothing compares to the warm hug of a real person, but when no one else is around, the Japanese have created a nifty little invention called the tranquility chair. No. The what? The tranquility chair. You know we have Japanese listeners, right? Awesome. So they uh, they may have this one of these. Well. It is okay. a uh, it is a chair with a back shaped like a giant human doll with a friendly face and long arms that can wrap around you in an affectionate embrace. Oh my! Let me show you guys a picture. Oh my goodness! Now apparently, the idea is that uh, everyone needs a hug, and and he, this is actually a little sad. Um, this is actually a little sad. Apparently. Uh, it is like they designed it with its main audience uh, or their main target audience being older people. Uh, a quarter of Japan's population is currently over the age of 65, and um, they uh, a lot of them are alone and, and don't have anyone to give them a hug. And so this this chair is supposed to well, now uh, help them. This story isn't funny anymore. I know. Like I read it, and you're I thought, supposed to get funny stories for this. No, first look, segment. I read this, and I thought I really just like I want to fly to J- Japan and and hug old people because I feel sorry <laughs> for them. You do that. Oh, that's an excerpt. And uh, we will we be, will come visit you right. in J- Japanese jail where you will be <clears throat> eating sushi and such because I don't think you can do that. So you can't just go up and randomly hug. Have you ever seen anything about Japanese culture? They're not very. Huggish. Let me ask you a question, believe. Chase. Have you ever been to Japan? Because I have. Um, have you? Have I you? have. Been Did you stay there long? He jumped there on the way to uh, Hong Kong. I was there not? for uh, thirty-five minutes. <laughs> okay. How All many? Right. Uh, that's thirty-five minutes longer than I have. How many Japanese people? I feel did like you I've hug been while you were there. Well, let me tell you. If I'd known that there was a bunch of lonely ones, I would have. I would have given. Them a I'm just going <laughs> to go on record as saying I wish you had. All right. This company that developed this chair has come up with a host of similar products. No. No. Um, other other chairs that help remind owners to take their medicine or go to the toilet. Wait a minute, you need reminders to go to the toilet. If you're over right, age guys, we'll see you next week. <laughs> They're selling this chair staff meeting for forty six thousand yen. Uh, yeah, how much chair. is that? That could be anywhere from ten cents to a billion dollars. Nick, do you do? Um, are you do show notes? Look, this guy right here that's getting the hug by the chair. He doesn't look happy. Well, I, he's young okay. Too. So here's the thing. That's so not me, how you give somebody a hug. That's reminiscent of something entirely different. Well, that's true. That is four hundred eighteen dollars and eighty cents. Forty six thousand Japanese but that's, yen. That's not bad for a hug. Look, two people. Yeah, but that's not a hug. All right, maybe we just need to move on. How about let's go to Bosnia, guys, where seventy-seven-year-old Hava Sibic. We also have listeners from Bosnia. Do we? True story. Well, this is from the village of. Serenavo, Serenavo. No, it's not uh, a different one. Okay. Yeah, it's C R N J E V O. It's in northern Bosnia. Oh, Seventy-seven years. Now we had a story last week about an uh, an older lady who had a very long marriage, who credited her beard. I remember that. This oh, lady. Crikey. Do I remember that? This lady. Um, <laughs> this lady, seventy-seven-year-old Hava, is popular in her village for her miraculous, no, golden ability. To heal any problems with a person's eyes, Chase, by licking them. Nope. Oh. Nope. nope. Wow. Nope. Now, this lady believes that. Oh. <laughs> this lady oh. believes that she can heal 
people's um, allergies, conjunctivitis, ocular hypertension, and dry and tired eyes by licking them. And I just apparently, want to stop for a moment and say you said ocular hypertension very well there, David. Thank you. Apparently, uh, she can even reduce the symptoms of more serious ailments such as cataracts. Hey, oh my! I'm looking at a Samuel. picture of her licking somebody's eye right now, and it is wildly inappropriate. They uh, they come from the, uh, her, uh, I guess, patients come from different towns and villages, and uh, within a couple minutes, their problems are solved. I just want to point out that got all um, new ones, but I need to point out that if you have dry eyes and someone was to lick your eye, it probably would cure dry eyes for a, a minute or two. It might. I would but you, you could also solve your own problem by maybe spitting on your hand and rubbing it in your eye and avoiding said. That's still pretty this, this gross. Right now. I'm going to give you a headline, David, in answer to, to this one. I'm not, I can't go into it because this is your segment, but this is a real headline I'm looking at. Eyeball licking craze causes surge of eye infections in Japan. And I didn't make that up. So it works. Well, see, it's just this woman. It's just this one be. woman who has that the really miraculous accredits powers. her story, by the way. If if Chase, if you were having, um, you know, eye hypertension, and someone no. said they could fix it by licking your eyeball, nope. would you allow them to? I would not. But I tell you what, if I was going blind and and it was kind of an all or nothing thing, I might. I mean, you know, Nick, if you're going blind, <laughs> no. there's evidence. What if they had a beard? Anyway. <laughs> An 18-year-old girl. To reconsider that one. An 18-year-old girl in Botkin, Kurtzestan. I really don't know where this is. <laughs> K y r g y z s t a n. Okay. Maybe you look that up, Chase. You, you give it to you again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Kyrgyzstan. Kurdistan? I think so. Yeah. K y r g. Yeah, Kyrgyzstan. No, K-Y-R-G, yeah, Y. Okay, where's it at? Is that in uh, Eastern it's Europe? It's one of the former Soviet bloc countries. Uh, it's in southern, below Russia, I, I believe. Aparia is her name. Uh, 18-year-old girl was admitted to the hospital recently after she complained of stomach pain so severe she was unable to eat anything or drink water. X-rays revealed... That's a bad stomach oh, no. pain. Yes, X-rays revealed her problem, oh, no. which was a nine-pound, nine Chase, hairball. Oh, oh, you may. Oh, it's got blood in it. Oh, apparently, our okay. Our he's Priya, not doing this segment again. Look, this You're is real couple, stuff from around the world. Great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurl. She had a habit oh. of picking up hair from the carpet and eating it. No, oh. she didn't. She did. Oh. And she also chewed the tips oh. of her hair. Oh. And uh, you know, oh. people listen to this podcast, don't you? And so, not we're gonna more. Be, we're going to be sued. Or something. We're getting a whole new set of listeners after this I week. So, and so she ended up with a nine-pound hairball. All right, you guys all have beards. Have you ever chewed the ends of like if your if your if your beard was sticking over? Have you ever like chewed off one of the? All hairs? right, so Chase, tell us about our game this week. That hurts when you do that. Have you done it? Maybe you could end up with a hairball. I don't swallow it because that's disgusting. Well, this girl did nine pounds that's worth of hair. Awful, Help me, Lord! It's just awful. I, are we to the game yet? Cause, no, we've uh, got one more. Is are it you gross? Serious? No, this one's from the United States. Not so gross. Okay. Um, are you saying Americans are less gross than our international <laughs> listeners? Because that's offensive. Hey, Tom Brady just passed fifty thousand career passing yards. Wow! And Peyton mean Manning he, threw for five hundred up for his five hundredth touchdown today. There you, go. you mean he completed a pass? 
Zing. Hey, hairball boy, I don't think we get to commentate <laughs> on the things people are bringing to the show right now. I just want to point out to you guys that I do not uh, make the news. I just report on it. Uh, that's, well, that's fine. In Mississippi, where we have no enough. listeners, listeners, lizards, listeners, livers. <laughs> anyway, we, we have, have a few in Mississippi, a surprisingly small amount, though. Do we have more in Bosnia? No. Okay. It's about the same. So uh, Lisa Carol Roche in uh, Mississippi was caught recently breaking into uh, cars uh, at a Mississippi school property when the cops caught her burglarizing, 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 yeah, burglarizing the cars in the parking lot of her children's school. She told the officer she was not uh, trying to steal anything. She was looking for ISIS terrorists. <laughs> It's a great excuse. Um, I'm impressed. She apparently, I guess, apparently if ISIS comes here, they're going to hide in in cars in the school parking lot. How many did she manage to round up before they caught her? Uh, Apparently none, although she did have several sunglasses and other items. (laughs) Good night. Well, that prevents the ISIS terrorists from being able to see well enough to take out our soldiers. So she's still doing good, good work. The police uh, did not believe her story, and they put her in jail. Dang. Well, gosh, that just sounds mean. All right, guys, this is the world we live in. I'm sorry that the two of you don't like it, but uh, you can close your eyes and your ears to the news, but it's still there. I think you did a, a commendable job with that dreck. Chase, you had a game. I had a game, but I'm not going to play it Because if not, I've got some more stories from around the world. Okay, i got a game. It's game time. Here we go. All right. Uh, This is um, Bible trivia quiz, guys. And I'm going to start out with one for you, David. Are we ready? I just want to point out that if there were people listening to the show who chew their hair a lot, I could have just saved them from having surgery. And neither one of you appreciate that. Yes, I'm ready. You are a real American hero. Like G.I. Joe? Like G.I. Joe, but better. why did you do that? Because you have saved people. Go ahead. All right. To you, David, what kind of man was Boaz before he got married? Um, What kind of man was Boaz Uh before he got married? Yep. Um, uh, Ruthless. That's very good. That's one point for you. Yes. Over to you, Nick. Um. Here's one. Oh, boy. Jesus walks into a bar with his disciples. Oh, wait. Thirteen glasses of water, please, Jesus said to the barman, winking at the others. Chase? Oh, wait. Chase. Okay, this is the point of the show. Chase. Where I have an honest confession for, what? for you guys Why are we, and the listeners. What just happened? It was a busy week, and I did not put together a quiz of quite the high caliber that this show is known for. So I thought if I started with a couple of corny jokes that it would lower expectations to the level of allowing me to do the real quiz, which is not very good. Does that make any sort of sense? Because I've known you for about five years now, it makes perfect. Okay, good. I'm just engaging in a little bit of psychology there. So I'm in trouble for my news stories, but you can make a Jesus <laughs> walk joke, a bar joke, walking into a bar joke, and it's okay? I thought it would be a better intro for last week's show when we talked about drinking, oh but uh, I was a week too late. But it oh does my. it does preserve the the miracle. I mean, it's it's... Jesus did turn water to wine. He did. That's not an inappropriate joke. But it was at a wedding, not a bar. Well, there was a bar at the wedding, right? Do you have a real quiz? I have a real quiz. Okay. 
Okay, and I'm going to go to Nick first. So I just want to cut in behind the curtain, the Gospel Friends curtain, for a minute. And I've known Chase and David both for a while, and I'm not sure that Chase is going to survive this episode. So anyway. What, am I going to get fired? That's, that's not I'm That's not happy. David's going to hulk you in a second. He's going to what me? <laughs> what? Hulk you? Oh, hulk me. Okay. What did you <laughs> I thought you said hulk me, and I didn't know what that meant. That is some, some sort of obscure. Dude, I'm going to hug you like a Japanese chair. <laughs> no, you're not. Not while there's any strength left in this body. Will you ever hug me like a Japanese chair? Nick, oh I, Nick I think we have a title, though. I'm going to hug you like a Japanese chair. You can't beat that. <laughs> And goodbye and sayonara to all of our Japanese listeners. We've enjoyed it while it lasted. Okay, let's steer the car back back on the trail just a little bit. Okay, I'm going to go to Nick first. Is it, is it kind of pitiful that we're amused by our, our jokes or, or what? I hope people at home are listening. I just spilled my Coke all over myself. That was a good line. And that was a good action, David. Good job. All right. Over to you, Nick. I really couldn't breathe for a minute. What common animal, Nick, is never mentioned in the Bible? What common animal is never mentioned in the Bible? Dog. Dog is oh, it? yes, it is. Correct. Right. Dogs are mentioned 41 Sorry. times. Are they the really? Answer is oh, yeah, in well, they fact, are. People are called dogs. That's yeah, right. And blinking. Jezebel was eaten by dogs. Yep. Yummy. Um, you know, that was my first thought, too, though, so you were... <sighs> okay, so that gets us to you. Wait, what was the real answer? The real answer is cat. Thank you for asking that. Really? Cats are never mentioned in the Bible. Huh. Meow. That was my second thought. If they had been mentioned in the Bible, they would have been associated with Satan. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, wow. People, you're on alert. Oh, we finally offended somebody other than our friends, the Japanese and Paducah Kanduckans. Okay, David, to you, what prophet walked around naked for three years? Is it A, Ezekiel, B, Mahesh, C, Daniel, D, Isaiah, E, Jeremiah? A prophet that walked around naked for three years. My initial thought is Ezekiel. But I think this is maybe one of those swerve things you do, so I'm going to go with B, Hayhash. That is a good guess, but in fact, I made that name up. Um, <laughs> I don't believe it is a Bible name, although I do know a Mahesh. Um, uh, Isaiah 20, verse 2. Awesome. Um, at that time, the Lord had spoken to Isaiah, son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from your loins and take your sandals off your feet. And he had done so walking naked and barefoot. By the way, that is not the only time loins is going to make an appearance in this podcast. A little foreshadowing there. Number three, to you, Nick. What did God mercifully allow Ezekiel to cook on instead of human dung? Is it A, wood, B, sterno, C, linen cloth, or D, cow dung? The last one. You are correct. Boom. Cow dung is the correct answer. So uh, we need, you to, do, we need to do better on a Bible quiz. Where the gospel friend, or as someone called us today, the gospel and friends, gospel and friends show. Yes. I was trying to figure out which one of us was gospel. <laughs> Apparently, none. Manuel had been here in a couple of weeks. Uh, none yet. The general man. Okay, so Nick, that's one point to you. Yes. David, over to you. True or false? Noah was the daughter of Zelophehad. 
True or false? Noah was the daughter of Zelophehad. No Google. You cannot the use your away. phone. Oh, um, Noah was the daughter of Zelophehad. Noah was not a daughter, so false. The answer is in fact true, as Joshua seventeen verse three says. But Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Matcher, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but daughters, and these are the names of his daughters: Mahala, Noah, Hog, Hogla. <laughs> Milka and Terza. I'm so glad the names have gotten better. I hate my life right now. Hogla is a great name, by the way. You guys should just take that and name your daughter. If I'm you're like pregnant o- right now, Hogla is your free name. <laughs> I'm like oh, for a couple people two or three. That is correct. I set this up so you would get the even questions, which were all swerves. Over to you, Nick. He expected me to get the cat one. Who's right. who's winning one to nothing? Woo. Five. True or false? Delilah cut cut Samson's hair. True. In fact, Judges sixteen nineteen she, says, and she in. made him sleep upon Dang her knees, it. and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. That's one to nothing still. I'm almost pitching a shutout. Over to you, David. Number six, I did not know the answer to this before making this quiz. True or false, Paul's sister is mentioned in the Bible. True or false? Um, true. True is correct. Acts 29, uh, 23, 16. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. You gave it away. I did. Because you said you didn't know this till reading it. Hmm. That I did give it away. Yeah. Well done. You've outwitted me. Okay, that gets us to the speed round where I ask questions and you buzz in. The first one with the answer gets the point. Well, how do we buzz? We are tied at one-to-one. There is no buzzer. You use your voice. Buzz. And just say the answer. Buzz, buzz. Are we ready? Which book follows Colossians? Buzz. Is it, just say the word, say the answer. Is it First Chronicles, First John, First Kings, or First Thessalonians? First John. What? Is it, which book follows First Colossians? First Thessalonians is the correct answer. That's two to one. I didn't even hear a New Testament book until you got to the end. First John is also a New Testament book. I, I said I didn't hear one. Oh, well, perhaps I'm... Speaking too fast I heard for your Chronicles. Listen to a lot of punk. It was. was you said like Chronicles and all kind of. Go ahead. Number two in the speed round. Nick up two to one. Which saying of Jesus was not made from the cross? Is it my hour has not yet come? Is it behold your mother? Is it I thirst? Or buzz. is it this day? My hour. My hour. I said buzz. I believe he said it first. Remember, buzz. David, you're supposed I actually to say said it first. the you answer said buzz first. You said buzz in. Yes, you with the answer. He was, said with the answer. Yes, just the answer See, I, is the buzz. You said buzz. I said. I'm going to give you credit for it because oh. I think I heard you first, but Nick might have said it first. We'll have to listen to the recording. I'm that trying still to follow gives the rules. Two to two. Don't I, buzz with a buzz. Say the answer. That's what that's he said. Then don't say buzz. Just say say the answer. Say the answer. Thank you. Now we're playing the say the answer round. Are you sure you're not an Ole Miss fan? An ordinary old David is tied with kind and wise Nick. Two to two. Who's Donkey Talk? I have entered into an entirely different universe. I just asked the question, and you were criping, and you missed it. Balaam. Wow. Well done. He got us there. So, Balaam's donkey did talk. That's three to three. Who three was to three. the? I'm sorry. Three to two. Why David, ornery, <laughs> complaining, gripey David has somehow slipped oh. into the lead. Three to two. Two more questions, guys. Who was the first left-handed man mentioned in the Bible? Is it 
A, Moses, B, Ehud, C, Adam, or Ehud. D? Ehud. Ehud is correct. He drove the knife into the fat, fat guy. Eglon, yeah. yes. Final question. <laughs> Whose servants wouldn't go into the bathroom because they were afraid that he was using it. Funniest Bible story ever. True. Look it up, True kids. Story. Where was Paul when he wrote the book of Philippians? Was he A, at Philip's house, B, in Philippi, C, in prison, D, in Philadelphia, or E, in the temple? And jail is correct. David, somehow you have managed to come back from behind despite the fact like that you, a rebel. you do not win the sportsmanship award for the show. Andy Dalton's playing rock, paper, scissors for the sideline. Why I'm is he hurt? Sure for that. Wow. No, he's standing on the field. Okay, I would In like fairness, to, I'm looking at Twitter to try to keep up with stuff for the show. But. I would like to apologize for my subpar quiz. The next time I will be much more prepared. I think that actually ended up being pretty entertaining. Well, I hope so. Well, we lost several listeners with your joke, but... Which one? The uh, Jesus... The dung one or... Oh, well. The Jesus joke. I Although... Like to point out that I, I would it point was out... A mirac- it was a miracle. I would say that... Even miracles. Um... I thought your constipation joke a couple weeks ago was lame, and apparently uh, several people liked it, I heard today. We have, uh, I've heard from several people about that joke. Yeah. You know, I didn't write it or nothing. I get my jokes from a certain place, but I'm not going to tell you. So I get to do my story first? I believe so, but you don't really deserve it because you are just too gripey. <laughs> Look, I am not gripey. Go ahead. Do your story. You won. I hope it's a good story. It being, I'm going to complain the whole time. Being emailed it in. This stinks. <laughs> oh, wait. Go tell ahead. Bean. Go ahead, then I'll tell him. Uh, bean at gmail.com. That's not his real email address, but I'm just <laughs> using his Twitter since uh, I was told I couldn't. So Bean sent in an article from the New York Times uh, recent piece. He says, discusses the trend of local municipalities attempting to outlaw homelessness. Uh, can I ask a question? Show question. Okay. Why, when I start talking, do y'all get your phones out and look at them? Just I wasn't see if looking. anything interesting was going on. You every time I start, I don't have a phone. You you pick your phone up and look at it. Um, I was. Uh, You're checking Twitter for show feedback. Chase. I That's am it. The, I was checking Twitter for show feedback. I'm the Rodney Dangerfield of the Gospel <laughs> Friends. The recent well, New York Times Rodney. piece discusses a trend of local municipalities attempting to outlaw homelessness. Hmm, Bean says very interesting. Bean says, <laughs> oh, sorry. Wait. <laughs> He was looking at his phone. Again. Which all of you would have gotten if this was a video cast, oh, which forget, it's not. We're not on video anymore. Dadgummit. In what uh, Bean says, I would consider the worst way possible. Uh, the, the New York Times article, by the way, talks about um, the articles called Treating Homeless People Like Criminals. Basically, it goes through how several cities have come up with laws that uh, make things very uh, difficult for the homeless. And in doing so, it seems trying to criminalize being uh, homeless. And so, for example, in New Orleans, uh, a law was passed that bans obstructions like tents and shopping carts in public rights of way. Uh, In Fort Lauderdale, um, uh, laws that were approved prohibiting panhandling and sleeping on the street and other cities that talk about laws passed for uh, no camping or other types of ordinances that push the homeless out of sight. I will say that um, here in uh, local in Birmingham, we used to be a part of a homeless ministry that happened downtown um, in Birmingham, right across from the main, what is called the Civic Center, 
uh, main convention hall complex here in Birmingham. And uh, there came a point when the mayor of the city asked for the homeless ministry to actually be moved about three blocks over mm-hmm. um, in an out-of-the-way location mm-hmm. and um, because of the – and I don't know that the mayor said this, but it was obvious because of the <coughs> – um, so many people coming to that convention complex and seeing homeless people across the street um, gathered up for uh, to be served food. So uh, along those lines, that's that's the idea of what the article is about, and it's kind of chiding um, the criminalizing of being homeless. So uh, Bean asked the question, why is it the church concerned with this sort of thing? Now, to be fair, Bean is making that basically a statement. He is saying the church is, doesn't seem to be uh, very concerned with this sort of thing, and why is that? And uh, second question, how should the church respond um, uh, with the homeless being treated in this manner? So, um, you know, essentially I think we can start off talking a little bit about um, uh, uh, answering those questions, but uh, also in just a minute, guys, want to talk a little bit about the call that we have as Christians to serve and take care of those who are less fortunate. Um, Chase, any thoughts on Bean's question? I think you should read Bean's email. It sounds like it's kind of related to the topic you brought up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, my. I really can't. I do have a thought. Wait, literally, I, do, I have a serious He is thought. trying to make the vein in my forehead <laughs> pop. Well, look, Nick's typing away over there. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, I was um, signing in to the email account so I could read the specific verbiage. Of- well, we, cut, we cut and pasted it in the show notes. Okay. Okay, so – I, I do. Those get a little bit confusing okay, for a mere mortal, and so I knew where to find Bean's email. <laughs> Good thinking. Go ahead, Jess. I would think. Uh, hey, can I see your phone? I, I do think that I this imagine is you a, should be able to see it. It's huge. I'm trying to answer your question. Go ahead. Quit mocking me with there, your phone. My little iPhone five. You had to go with the gold one, didn't you? It's gold. I like it. I'm moving it out of the way. I'm sure, you do. All right. So here like we Hulk are, Hulk. and I led us into this place of joking about a very serious situation, talking about homeless and how the church should respond to the homeless situation. Um, whew, this is a hard one. Here's the thing. For international listeners, and, and most Americans know this, in America, we kind of have uh, several divides. You know, In our state, it's Alabama fans versus Auburn fans. Countrywide, it is um, liberals versus conservatives. Yes. And generally speaking, political liberals have a reputation of being concerned for homeless people, and political conservatives don't have a reputation for being concerned for homeless people people. Now, whether that's fair or not uh, is not really for us to address. And both sides seem to try to claim Jesus and their you know, that Jesus would have been yes, a conservative or Jesus would have been a liberal. That is, that is precisely the case. I think you find that there is uh, unarguable evidence in Scripture that we as the church are pointed towards taking care of homeless people. Now, you know, it never says government shouldn't do it, but it says the church should do it. It says Christians should do it. And, and I, I guess the text I would go to here anytime we're talking along these lines is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. This is one of the most uh, astonishing, stunning passages in the scripture. Essentially, the Son of Man, in, in this passage, he gathers the people, separates the sheep from the goats, 
and the goats go away into eternal punishment, and the sheep go away into eternal life. And the sheep go into eternal life based on the way, essentially, they treat the least of these, including people who are wandering and thirsty and hungry and naked. And the word homeless is not used there, but I think the very concept hmm. of being the least of these and the way Jesus describes these people is is that way. And Jesus says, when you do things good for the least of these, you are doing things directly to him. And that that's strong. And, and like I said, it's inarguable to me. That's my first thought when we're talking about what the church should do for the homeless. Um, I'll skim Bean's article and to, to lighten the having Chase Brown, it's one of the comments is um, you can't sleep on the street unless you're waiting for an iPhone 6. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the guy in the article says that it I think it was one of the cities that outlawed sleeping on the street, unless, of course, you were in line for an iPhone. No more talking about iPhone 6s or Alabama game. Sorry. Wow. Um, I'm bitter about both. <laughs> it, my, my thought, I guess, is um, with, with this issue, it does always – when it's a political issue, it does frustrate me slash hurt my heart, quote-unquote, for lack of a better articulation, um, that the church isn't, isn't doing more. Because um, I do see it from the, the New Testament, the first century church, as it, a, as it is a responsibility for the church um, to care for, for the least of these. Unfortunately, um, in some of these instances, I think part of the issue is a societal problem in terms of the culture in which we live. One of these places talks about um, Honolulu, where – I think it was Honolulu, but um, the cost of living is so high um, – dire lack of apartments um, so a significant segment of society has no permanent place to live so in a place like that I think of the the, the great divide between the people who can afford to live in vacation there and the people that need to be there for those people to want a vacation the the working class so to speak and there there is a great divide amongst that and and I don't know how the church fixes that divide the, how the church serves that divide I should say I think the answer to this is a gospel answer in terms of um, the church not trying to feed the poor, the church trying to be the hands and feet of, of Jesus. And so it's a dual um, problem you're trying to attack. You know, the, the, one of the things that we see, and um, and I will say, you know, maybe somewhat piggybacking off Chase's comments about the liberal and conservative divide, there, there's a gospel that has come up um, in recent years that – is called the social gospel. I will call it the social gospel. Essentially, uh, I know Shane Claiborne and uh, was a, was a was a guy that uh, right or wrong kind of got caught with this label. Uh, but essentially, it's um, it's it's it's, a, it's Christians. Um, but when people that subscribe to this are very concerned about you know social issues and the feeding of uh, the hungry and the you know helping the homeless find. Uh, homes and uh, shelter and clothing and all of those things, but it has always seemed to be a little light on gospel truth. In other words, it's it's more of let's go show people the love of Christ, let's serve them, feed them. But when it comes to issues such as speaking about sin and um, the actual, you know, the gospel and heaven and hell and the need for redemption and repentance. Um, it was very light on those things, if not in some segments of the social gospel, even approving of lifestyles counter to what Scripture uh, teaches. 
I, here's the problem, though. Um, as, as against that as we are, I think there, some people have swung the pendulum too far the other way, and there's a line of Christianity, maybe um, you know, a, a, a line of thinking in Christianity that um, doesn't think social issues are important at all and yes. have kind of abandoned the call to serve and mm-hmm. to take care of those who are less fortunate. And that is a problem because I think the Bible calls us to that. As a matter of fact, a very interesting passage from Ezekiel 16. And I want to be careful in reading this, but I remember a few years ago reading it for the first time and just thinking, wow, I didn't realize that was in there. Um, through the prophet Ezekiel, God speaking to his people, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and the needy. Now, I want to say very carefully, some people point to that verse and say, Look, God is not against homosexuality. The real problem in Sodom was that they did not take care of the poor. I don't believe at all that that's what that Versus teaching, because in other places, very clearly, the actions and the lifestyle of people in Sodom and Gomorrah were, was condemned. But also, Ezekiel is pointing out, there was an issue there where they they had ex- excess of everything, prospered, but did not aid those who were less fortunate. And, and the prophet, God, through his prophet, called them down for it and said, this is wrong. And you see that throughout Scripture. We are called to take care of people who are in great need. Yes, yes we are. You know, off the air we had a discussion I found interesting that you brought up, David. Um, Just talking about the ministry that we used to go to, you and I both used to take our children to. uh, We don't participate in that ministry anymore for a variety of reasons, but but something you said was very eye-opening as we were doing show prep, and that is for you, that means your kids are rarely, if ever, around um, essentially the least of these people that are uh, people that are in great need. And I realize the same thing for my for my kids that they're rarely around that. Now, the great danger in that is that we could raise them up in a fairly affluent society. None of us here even approaches being rich, but we do all have iPhones, we do all have homes, we do all have cars, um, but we don't want to shelter our children from Jesus' call, number one, and I mean it, number one, to to love God and take his gospel to the world. And slightly underneath that in terms of priority, I think you could say that his call to serve the poor, to give to the poor, and to reach out to the least of these, which is, he says, is direct ministry to him. Uh, We have sheltered our children from that, and in a sense, it's one thing to talk about giving yourselves on the behalf of the poor, and it's another thing to do it. Now, you were saying, Nick, something earlier, because I want to piggyback off, off Chase's comment there in a moment, but you were saying something before the, the show that I think you should expound on. And I'm remembering back to a couple of weeks ago when Emmanuel was here, the general, and he made a, con- he made a comment about suburban Jesus and <laughs> this idea about, um, you know, if we, we get a project in a, in a certain part of town, we go down there, take care of that, you know, whatever that project we've taken over um, – and then we feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and you were kind of expounding on that a yeah. little bit, like like you're concerned there's a danger there of I'll, serving as a way to make yourself feel good. I'll personalize a little bit. Um, when I was growing up in youth group, we would um, 
we would do a, a evangelistic um, week, uh, the church I was a part of. And um, the, the, the church we, I grew up in, we, went, we were in a um, not poor but not wealthy area. It was a, a upper middle class, a lot around it, and, and the area was beginning to decline and in a sense declined. Um, and, but at the time, a lot of the people that went there were right in the middle of the middle class. Um, and so we would go to downtown Birmingham and the places that you articulate where yep. this homeless ministry used to be. There were churches in and around that area that we used to go partner with, one in the project side of Birmingham and one in the deep downtown. And it was these three um, reasonably large churches on average um, that would partner together, get youth from all three congregations. And it was a melting pot once you got us all together. And we would go down and we would serve for a week mm-hmm. and then come home. And and so <clears> – <throat> The, the thing I was pointing out kind of pre-show was just how, you know, we'll have a church work day or church work week. Well, we'll go to the projects and we'll paint some projects and we'll take some sandwiches and we'll hand them a tract. And, and it feels like we're saying, hey, good luck with that tract. Come come find us if you need us. And I, and I just don't see that being the model. Um, first of all, I don't, I don't see that being of true help um, to the needy. And, and more importantly, I don't see that being true Gospel, yeah. uh, and that's and that's what I well and, and struggle with with churches. Similar to what you're saying, and this is a discussion for another day. But um, similar to what you're saying is, you know, even like Christians who leave this country go to another country, work there for a few days, and then leave. Um, you know, is there? It's, that's know, tough because I know a lot of people that I know that have done that are part of organizations that constantly have teams trying to go. Is that what you're speaking? No, that is. Okay, I'm there's sorry. two different things. I think there's 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 some places that that are in and you know in a country and they're there an organization. Uh, we have a, a a member of the Hall of Dogma Church who's getting ready to go to Haiti in in. Uh, November, I think, right. and she's going with an organization that's that's got a presence in a certain part of the country, okay. and they're bringing in. See, that makes sense to me. Yes, but no, we're talking. I'm, I'm talking maybe about you know more short term. You know, we're in and out, but we can say, look, there's a segment of Christians who almost use their mission trips they've been on as a badge of honor. Badge of honor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've I've went and served here. I've went and served there. And and but it feels uh, like Sunday school that you get your evangelism star for the year and you're good. Yeah, and and I think it's similar to what you're saying. Uh, well, you know, we did this. We did this project. Uh, I think you know, it's we deeper, we yeah. worked on this. So, but yes, the call to serve. So I think what you're what you're speaking against is doing this as a one time thing and yeah. or once a year thing. Be able to check mark check mark. I, I, I served this year. We are called to a lifestyle of service is where I you know, I think you, you would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Philippians chapter two, verse three says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, and I think that would speak to people who serve just to be able to say, Look at what I did. You know, post it on Facebook or whatever. But, like yeah, that. exactly. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Here's where I'm convicted thinking about this article and our issue of home the homeless. Um I heard a, a Christian dad speaking this week, and he was talking about how he felt like, as as a as a Christian dad, one of his important responsibilities was to teach and model for his kids that it was more important to serve others than yourself, and and that it was important to live that as a Christian, a life where you are serving other people. And it just got me thinking about similar to what you're saying. My my children are pretty. Um, 
um, sheltered mm-hmm. in, in the life that we have, and I don't know how much they know of the pain and suffering beyond the street they live on, mm. and that there are things that, that, that we take for granted every day other people don't have. And, and again, let's not do a guilt thing. We're not going to do sure. this like you're talking sure. about for a week just to feel good and we're done, but a lifestyle that we are called to by the Bible to consider other people more important than ourselves, that we are called to serve others. We are called to love people as Christ loves, sacrificially, willing to give of yourself in order that others could have something. And not only do I want to live that kind of life, but I want to teach my children how to live that kind of life. And I I don't know exactly, guys, why we don't do that. It may be lack of opportunity. I think it may be busyness, which we've talked about on this show before. We're involved in so much. It may be hard to find the time to go and serve. But I realized this week with that homeless ministry kind of going away from the Hall of Dogma Church, where we didn't have it here anymore, that I miss having that avenue where we could go and serve and mm-hmm. and and help you know talk to people yeah. and help people who are less fortunate and and sh- you know really help my children learn how to develop that kind of lifestyle about them. Yeah, I agree with you, David. I got another trivia question for you guys. After Paul was saved and given a commission to take the gospel to the world, he met with Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John agreed that Paul and Barnabas should take the gospel to the Gentiles. And in doing so, they said, we only want you to remember one thing. What was that thing? The poor. The poor. That's right. Galatians Mm. 2.10. Only Paul, James, and John, I mean, Peter, James, and John, they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And what I was talking about earlier and I think even the Hall of Dogma Church, we can be we can be guilty of this dynamic. The tragedy of the separation, essentially, in in the liberal and conservative church in America, is the the conservatives have held on to the Bible. Praise God for that. They have focused on bringing the gospel. Praise God for that. But too often, we have missed Jesus's heartbeat for the poor. And the fact of the matter is, we can be like Paul and Barnabas, and that is just sold out, biblically sold out to carry the gospel and eager to remember the poor. That doesn't make you liberal. That makes you biblical. And and so um, just talking about this is firing me up to to do it and not just talk about it. I will say, to be fair, if you're you're talking about political conservatives – I was talking about church conservative and liberal conservatives. Okay, well, then yes. I was going to say, you know, have we held on to it when we talk about it? You know, have we abandoned – the poor and the needy have we abandoned going to serve and if if we have then we haven't we have held on to portions of the portions scripture. of yes, the scripture I know what you're, you're absolutely you see what right. I'm saying? but not not necessarily all of it there's a call here and and i i i take what nick is saying uh, very important not taking this on as a, a a checklist to make ourselves feel better but i mean we are i want to say it again we are called by christ to live that life and, and if our character is such that if if in my life I constantly thought of other people higher than I thought of myself, that would change a lot of things, and mm-hmm. it would probably it would change how I'm interacting. It would probably resolve a lot of issues, um, and and probably um, head off a lot of conflict. If you are constantly considering others higher than yourself, which the Bible calls us to, and somehow. Not just teaching that to our kids, but modeling that yeah. for our kids. This is a, I think this is an, 
an actionable thing. This is something for us to consider, you know, how to move on and uh, and how to how to take uh, action uh, on. And I, I think I think Bean points out a good thing. I, I think the church should have more answers for um, issues than we do sometimes for. Uh, and we should walk like out our theology more as well. Amen. I will throw it to the to the, the community to say, to say why is the church more concerned about this sort of thing? I think um, I think the listeners probably would, if I had to guess, would not be the um, as much the uh, checkmark you know Sunday school star group. What do fellowships do other places, other states, uh, other countries to to kind of try to meet this need what do, what do you guys all do so hit us up yeah, on twitter be good to hear week. be good to hear what you guys got going on all right guys that gets us to big deal or little deal and we'll have to make up for some time so i'm gonna talk at one and a half speed so it'll really get this in uh, quick um kansas city chiefs nfl football this is not a football story don't tune out yet this is more about uh, something different. But uh, just this past week, Kansas City Chiefs free safety Hussein Abdullah intercepted a ball, scored a touchdown, and in doing so, in celebrating the touchdown, he got down and made a Muslim prayer uh, motion in celebration. He was flagged for that. Now, I would just real quickly say um, I, I don't think he should have been flagged for that. I think you guys probably agree with that. Um, but but this here's where we'll get into big deal or little deal. Max Lucado came out and wrote an article in defense of Abdullah. Now Max Lucado is a famous uh, Christian pastor from Texas in the Church of Christ that has written a lot of best-selling books, and he came out to defend Abdullah for his prayer, which was a Muslim prayer. Um, and, and he says this, he says, um, is a little petition or gratitude so bad? If the act is sincere toward God as opposed to insincere for show, what is the harm? I know prayer has changed my life. I'm happier, healthier, and more hopeful than I have ever been. Struggles come for sure, but so does God. Now, this was in an editorial that Lucado wrote for USA Today to defend um, Abdullah and and to say that he should not have been penalized, which the NFL has come out and admitted. I fully expected you to say that was an interview more than a article. No, it was it was an editorial he wrote, and again, it was in USA Today, one of our most uh, read newspapers here in this country. I ask you guys, does the fact that Pastor Lucado never came out to contrast Christianity and Islam. Is that a big deal, a little deal, or no deal to you? So he he is essentially, in the editorial, he essentially supports prayer and kind of puts all prayer as equal. It, Reading the interview, uh, I want to be charitable, I want to be fair, but yes, he seems to be advocating prayer and not really discussing the source uh, of who you're praying to. Look, I I am for Christians. Source or the yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, okay. the focus, the focus or the target of the target. source or the target. Yes, yeah. I am for Christ Christians being reasonable people. I think the yes. Bible calls that uh, calls us to that, and the Bible says, "Let your reasonableness be known by everyone." And I think too many times Christians are quite unreasonable people. Um, and so, you know, I am I am for um, you know a, a wise discourse uh, on issues, and I don't think we have to make controversies out of every little problem. Um, I, I think we need to to you know be able to 
make it to where people know that we care and and that we are someone they can dialogue or discourse with on issues. But I also think you can sometimes take that too far. In other words, you almost try to be so um, palatable to everybody and you know, opening to everyone that you you lose a stance on foundational truths, and I, I think that's a pretty big deal. If if that's what he's doing there, or saying there, what it seems like, which is kind of putting all prayer on an equal plane, because I, I don't think that I, you know, people talk about prayer is powerful, but you know, I think what makes prayer powerful if it's connected to a powerful God. Um, Quite honestly, if I was facing the a terrible situation, a situation where, you know, I needed miraculous intervention, I don't want a Buddhist prayer. I don't want a Muslim prayer. I I don't want a Hindu prayer. I want a prayer of a godly, righteous man who is connected to the Father through Jesus Christ, because I don't think any of those other prayers are powerful are effective in any way yeah. because you're praying to a false god who has no ability to change anything. So that's not – I mean, it, you know, someone telling me they're praying for me of another religion, I probably wouldn't, you know, say, you know, oh, you're a jerk, go away. I don't want to hear oh, from absolutely. you. I wouldn't say anything like that. But that doesn't – I don't – it's not equal. It's not, it's not equal. And for a Christian pastor to kind of act like all prayer is equal – I don't think he should have been flagged for what he did. Absolutely not. Uh, I, I don't have a, you know, I, I honestly don't. But I think for a Christian pastor to come out and try to make this sound like, um, you know, prayers, prayers good for everybody, no matter who's praying. Yeah. That, that's a that's a pretty big deal because that it all prayers not equal. Well, we have a friend, uh, real quick, a friend of the show, Sam Knowles, who's co-hosted with us, who really hates the expression "prayer changes everything." Not because he's not a man of prayer. He's probably the number one prayer cheerleader here at the Hall of Dogma Church, but because it's not prayer that changes you just everything. Called it's called Sam a cheerleader. <laughs> rah, rah. Right. Mark Bob. that for a – It's right. God that changes everything. Yeah. It, it's not prayer in particular, not prayer to a false god. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, no, I – what y'all said. Um, the, the him getting flagged. Hashtag ditto. Yeah, hashtag ditto. Uh, the him getting flagged thing, no, I, that's not excessive celebration in any context. I, for a second, when we were doing a show prep, I'm like, didn't they make a rule after all the Tebow stuff? And I was like, if Tebow gets whatever, then sure. Um, but Lucado, seeing what he said, kind of. Yeah, putting those all together, that that worries me. I would I would call that a big deal, having nothing to do with what caused him to say it, but everything to do with what he's saying in terms of um, putting putting prayer on a level playing field. As as a believer, from a pastoral um, answer, this this is one of those things that if um, a non believer said it, I would go, okay, yeah, I expect him to say that. For Lucado to to say it is troubling to me. I agree. I, I think in our society. We are seeing a megatrend shift towards universalism, Mm -hmm. towards all paths essentially lead to the same place. And it's disappointing to me to see an uh, evangelical-leaning Christian pastor uh, essentially falling down that trail. It is easy in society to to talk the way Lucado did, but I think it's dangerous. I will say this. Let's – you know – I do want to put some breaks on this for just a second. Let's not put Locato in the Rob Bell column. And I'm not ready to do that. And and I just – and I don't think we are, but I I just – I do want to caveat that because I – 
so often one article gets put out and all of a sudden, heretic! And I'm yeah. like, okay, calm down. Calm down. And that's why I was saying I expected that to be in a radio interview. Hey, this guy got flagged for praying. Da, 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 da. They wrote a blog on it. That troubles me. Um, but, I, you know, let's not throw out – because we, we do have a lot of writing from this man that would seem to support a different conclusion about him. Um, and so let's not – yeah, no, I agree. I, I Let's don't not flag Lakato. No, yet. <laughs> absolutely not. And I, you know, I have um, or label. I, I don't. I think that's dangerous. I think is to do that very quickly. And even look, I, I, I haven't just listened to Chase read it. I'm sure Chase is reading it correctly, but no context in terms of, you know, I, I would be very careful about um, taking those few words and then labeling him. I, I, I do think I'm not putting Lakato in this camp. I'm just saying I do think what you see is you, you see some pastors over here on this side that they, they want to take such a stance on truth that they just come across as unloving. I don't know any way to put it. It's like it's it's truth, 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 but there's no love. There's there's no love. And and Paul Paul says in Corinthians that, you know, you you can have all these words, but if you're if you have no love, then you're like a clanging cymbal. And that's yes. basically what they sound like. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I think you have people who are just they're trying to be so loving. They're trying to be so open that there seems like there's no truth about them. Absolutely. Uh, Warren Wearsby, who's a, he's a commentator that I always enjoyed reading. Um, when I first was uh, getting into uh, Bible study. I think he, he would say, um, truth, uh, love without truth is hypocrisy. Uh, truth without love is brutality. And, and I think that's, mm. th- those are the roads to avoid. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I want to see people being reasonable and loving, holding fast to the truth and, uh, and, and, and on issues like this and, and not, not creating, um, I don't know, not creating different pathways, trying to be uh, open to all people. So, Okay, good, good answer. Let's take this next one quickly, maybe keep it under a couple of minutes, and uh, if the audience wants to, us to go deeper, we shall. Gordon College is a small Christian liberal arts university in Massachusetts, I believe. They have been given 18 months to change their standards uh, in their student guide or they will lose their accreditation. Essentially, in America, that means that a degree from that college will not be worth a whole lot. And, and so a college that loses its accreditation is gen- genuinely in danger of shutting down. Uh, the standard that the government wants them to change is the standard that prohibits sexual relations outside of marriage and homosexual practice. Big deal, little deal, or no so deal. So that last part, they want to... They want to... Uh, the the um, the accrediting agency for New England, which the regional accrediting agencies around America, wants Gordon College to change their policy, okay. which prohibits sexual relations outside of marriage and homosexual practice. Or lose their accreditation. Or lose their accreditation. Well, look, I, I think it's a big deal, and I think it's coming um, – this kind of thing is is coming, uh, whether it's uh, you know colleges, uh, Christian or Bible colleges, or, or you know universities that hold to scriptural standards, losing their accreditation. Um, whether it's uh, you, you're going to see, you know, whether it's Christians losing their jobs, more and more the cultural course is going to go the way it's going. I think without revival, um, without a, a great move of God. And more and more Christians are going to be seen as, um, you know, whatever word you want to put on it, anti, 
uh, anti-sensitive or uh, intolerant. Be, yeah, intolerant. That'd be unsensitive. But uh, uh, anti-sensitive sounds really strong and stirring. Yeah. So we'll go back to that. Anti-sensitive. You anti-sensitive Christians. Anti-cultural. Um, mm. You know, and 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 as an enemy, as, anti-progress as an enemy to society. And uh, so I think it's a big deal, but I think it's not a surprising turn. I think you're going to see more of it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I always want to assume there's another side of the story on stuff like this, partially because I'm a contrarian. Um, but it just feels to me like it's it has to do with the, the homosexuality angle rather than it does the sex angle. Because I've known colleges that have been operating for years that have a demerit system that that puts yeah. you in danger of expulsion. You're seeing some, you know, I think I've been reading about some universities, some fraternities, Christian fraternities or Christian sor- mm-hmm. sororities, and, and they're being told they can't get a charter on campus unless they, you know, for example, agree to let a homosexual couple in their in their sorority or See, fraternity and things like that. That thing, so. that, that right there, that to me is a little bit more egregious than this because some of the stuff that you can eliminate people from a fraternity about is so trivial yeah. that – <laughs> anyway, but, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't like the the, the trend, um, but this is where I go. I understand it's alarming and those kinds of things, but I look at the New Testament. And I go, okay, what do we what else do we expect, guys? Yes, and, and so that's my 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 statement with my uh, point of view on these is always, okay, what else do we expect? So w- what do we do? We we you know we knew this was coming. Um, we didn't know when. We didn't know how. Um, but you will be hated for my namesake. That yeah. is that is what he tells us. And so um, I, I don't know that sitting around trying to change. I, I'm great. I'm gracious or grateful that we live in a company where we are company. Ugh. Okay, I, I can't get I can get through the intro, but I can't get through this. A company. We live in a country where we do have the ability to vote and and, and, and have a say in law. Um, but um, we can't expect the world to solve this. Issue. So, well, yeah. you know, uh, James McSorley from uh, from Ireland, uh, his pastor, um, James McConnell, which is funny Your to me because um, I am James David McConnell. But uh, Pastor McConnell in Ireland is uh, uh, in some hot water over there uh, for some comments he made that were uh, about against, uh, Islam, uh, about Islam. A false religion. Yeah. yeah, basically called out Islam from the pulpit as being wow. a. Uh, false religion and dangerous, and um, he's being investigated in Ireland for hate crimes. Uh, you could Google uh, his name. I think it's is it White uh, Whitehall Chapel. Whitehall Chapel. I think that's right in Belfast. And uh, so, uh, please uh, pray for Pastor McConnell, as uh, James had asked us to do. And uh, you know, we just uh, you know look, you know, his words. Um, you know, I, I don't know how he delivered them, so I don't know the tone of voice and things like that. But, I mean, the message simply was that uh, Islam was dangerous and a false religion, and he's being investigated there for hate speech and probably facing a fine um, because of that. And, and by so, the way, it is not intolerant to say that. Uh, and, and Islam would say that about Christianity. The fact of the matter is these are mutually exclusive belief systems. Uh, in the Hall of Dogma Church today, we talked about Hebrews. And Hebrews 1, this, this is kind of one of the chief ways to tell whether there's a, a false religion or a biblical religion. It comes down to who you say Jesus is. The Islamic people say Jesus is a prophet. But the Bible testifies about Jesus that he is the Son of God, that he is the heir of all things, that he is not just a reflection of God's glory. He is an exact 
imprint of God and the radiator. He radiates the glory of God from himself because he is God. And and so you can't have mutual claims of there being other gods. Jesus is the only way, according to him, John fourteen six, and uh, he is God. Yeah. And these things don't work together. Universalism. You can you can be an atheist. I think being an atheist is much more of a consistent belief system than being a universalist. It's it's look. We don't have to get on the rant, but it's I'm gonna rant. No, no I'm just saying it. It is. People are people say Christians are intolerant. They want to push their views on others, but it's the same thing. I mean that that's it's the same thing they're doing. They're doing the same thing. It's they're not tolerant of a Christian's belief. They they claim tolerance. Yes. They claim they're they're so tolerant, but they're not tolerant because they they don't tolerate. A Christian's belief, and so it's uh, you know that's uh, there are certainly intolerant Christians, and, absolutely. and that is a sin, absolutely. But uh, for instance, Richard Dawkins is one of the least tolerant, probably men in the world, and, and so just being intellectual and anti-religion does not make you automatically tolerant. Well, and you can get into what does tolerate mean? What does it mean to be tolerant? And and simply standing up and saying that that belief system is not true. I don't. I don't think that makes you intolerant of people. Yeah. It's there's one truth. There's not relative truth, like you're saying. You know, it's it's true or it's not true. All of these different belief systems can't be right, and we can't walk around and act like they all are. One one of them is true. The rest of them are false because they all contradict each other. And you can tolerate people while still taking a different viewpoint. Anyway, hey man, good stuff. Nicholas, you have ten reasons to not be a pastor. Well, hold on. Ten bad reasons to be a pastor. It's not oh, that, okay. It's not <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So this comes from the com. It's actually from back in about May. Um, I just kind of I stumbled across it. Thought it was pretty interesting. Um, so reason number one, you guys tell me what what you think uh, if the resurgence is right or wrong. Um, you like spending time with other Christians. Okay, uh, you. If that was the sole reason that you were going to become a pastor is to spend time with other Christians, I would say that's probably not your right motivation. Although I don't have a problem with someone – I think if you are a pastor, you should enjoy spending <laughs> time should. with other Christians. So. <laughs> and I, I, I work, that's a little tricky. I work in a seminary, and I hear from pastors every now and then that, that, that don't enjoy that. And I, I think that's – all Christians should yeah. love and enjoy spending time with other Christians. Little issue if you don't uh, like a being with people. Just a spot. That's All where right. you get into having uh, armor bearers and people walking. Well, never mind. Oh snap! All right. Do people still say "oh snap"? Or is that like so nineteen ninety nine? No, dude, you're 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 way. You're, but everybody already knows you're not cool. So it's okay. It's right. Thank you. Wow. I appreciate that. That's... Hey, wait a minute. Can you feel? I, um, I don't think you like hanging out with other Christians because you just made my heart sad. So it's a good reason to want to be a pastor. There we go. See, back on the road. Good job. Uh, you like to study your Bible. That's a good reason to be a pastor, right? Okay, I'm going to go back to my earlier comments and just say ditto. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, this segment just got really easy. You should want to study your Bible. Now, I, I will say this is a good ears as a teacher. And as a pastor, it is easy to fall into the place where the only Bible intake you have is preparing for a message. And I think that is problematic. Danger, danger. I definitely think you learn. Stranger danger. I think you learn from teaching. I think you should. You should learn as you're getting ready to teach. Absolutely. But uh, I think that's problematic if that's your only Bible intake. You betcha. Completely agree. Um, 
This one was one of the more interesting. You like public speaking. Do I like public speaking? No, that is a reason. Is that a question? Is that a reason to be uh, a pastor? I was pondering this. Um, No, I I think there can definitely be people that are gifted at public speaking but not called to be pastors. In fact, I I would argue that the New Testament doesn't even necessarily indicate that a pastor will be gifted at public speaking. Able to teach is not – If you are a pastor because you want an audience, that's an issue. If you're only that's, a pastor and I think because you want an I audience, that's, the that's an it. issue. Uh, you like introducing non-Christians to Jesus. Again, every every follower of Jesus should kind of be about that business. See, to me, that's one where it goes, So, oh, so you, that means you're a Christian. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that being a pastor makes it easier for you to intro non-Christians to Jesus because it has been my it has been my responsibility uh, my responsibility my experience I don't know where that came from it's been my experience that if someone finds out I'm a pastor or they hear that they begin to act differently around me than other people oh yeah shields up yes I've I've had that same experience I'll have people go you know they'll say a curse word or something they'll say oh I'm sorry I'm like. Oh, you've sullied my ears, you horrible heathen. <laughs> Let me clean them out with Q-tips. You know, I oh, love you of that. When we, get, when, we, when we get there, I'm going to be standing right next to you. I'm not going to be on the throne. That's Ultimately, right. it's not uh, my call. All right. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, you want to be more devoted to Jesus, so you become a pastor. That's why you become a monk. Wow. You pronounced it right. Good uh, job. Well, look, it, it's it's spelled monk, and that's why I say it monk, but you always make fun of me for that. You I, show I M-O-N-K. If you just came off, if you had learned the English language and came off an island never being around anyone, never heard anyone pronounce that word, and someone set it down in front of you, you would pronounce it monk. Uh, you make, M-O-N-K. You make a good point. You don't make me out to sound very loving to our listeners. I'm not going to sound very loving to David right now. I think this one was written for you. You want to spend fewer hours working. Wow. Oh. oh. Dang. That's a little bingo, inside baseball. Bingo. Sorry. But that hurt. Uh, I, I would, feel for you. I have heard of people going to nice seminary guy. because they, they want one of those, quote, unquote, cushy pastor jobs where they only have to work a few days a week and the 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 you know church provides them a home and things like that. Uh, but um, You're doing it wrong. It's never been my experience that uh, I've not been around a lot of people that worked out for. Them. That's a... me neither. <laughs> so I don't know. Just, don't get into pastoring if you want to avoid that sort of thing. I'll throw this one to Chase. What about you're looking for a more stable career? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I tell you, I've I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, um, but uh, it is remarkable how many pastors per year quit and go into another business, and and it's tragic when when uh, y- you interview them. How many say if I could do something else, I would, mm. but I'm afraid I can't. I have to support my family. Now that is, if you are a pastor listening to this show, and there are a lot who do, uh, I brother. Get to a different place because that is soul destroying. Yeah. Either ask God to give you a different job, and He He has all of the power to do that, or get somehow ask Him to transform your heart because you cannot be in that place. Yeah. I mean, I've been there. Th- things are hard sometimes in the church; they're gut wrenchingly hard. But don't get to the place where you would just you would say, "Well, I, I would sell insurance if I could," but I'm just stuck here because I have to provide for my family. That's toxic for you. That's toxic for your family. It's toxic for the church. Now that's that's a uh, and and you will you will burn out and you will be a bitter person. Yeah. If that is uh, like if you were in it for those reasons and not loving people and wanting to point people in the direction they need to go. 
And the Lord can deliver you from that. Absolutely. Sure, sure, change your heart or change your position, either one. Well, and let's say I think you're speaking to people who maybe have found themselves getting to that place, not necessarily going into it. If you're going into it for those reasons, you, you, you need to stop right now and, and turn around and, and sit down and think about this. And This is not a stable this career. Is, this is not. No. But people who are getting, you know, look, I understand um, – Having been in ministry, so much good and so many beneficial things, and and I don't mean material things. I mean just fruitful, getting to see, getting to be used by God in various ways is is amazing. But uh, you, as a pastor, I think you you're called. You pour yourself out, and I, I see. You know, um, I want to talk about myself. I just see I see Chase doing that. I mean, I, I see Chase as a pastor pouring himself out on behalf of others. And uh, many times doing that behind the scenes without looking for accolades and and just seeking other people's benefit. And and look, if you you know, if you're simply looking for accolades and recognition and what's in it for you, you're going to not be a very good pastor and you're gonna be a bitter, bitter person. Um <laughs> Not not the reason to go into it. Well, yeah. just then your words were more kind than was deserved. But I appreciate the sentiment, and I think you're absolutely right. It, it's it's a um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes when you're pastoring. A lot of stuff that really has nothing to do on the surface with pastoring, but has everything to do with being a servant. And that's um, don't go into this line of work if if you think you're going to be able to avoid work and even menial work. But at the same time, I don't want to paint it as like. Um, we work our fingers to the bone all the time yeah. and it's it's nothing but drudgery and you're away from your family 24/7 because there's there's some flexibility there's there's tons of joy it's just not easy yeah. it, it must be a calling you're going to get hurt and you're going yeah. to get offended and if you worry about those things or focus on those things in yourself it will it will run you in the ground pretty quick. You 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 do it for the calling. You do it because you know you're 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 called to do it. You can't do anything else. Well, and, and the career word there. I, you know, I, some other time we'll talk about vocational versus bivocational ministry. But the the longer I'm in church uh, ministry of any any respect, the more I, I dislike the word career being attached to the office of pastor, the the function I, of pastor. I, think I agree with you there. Um, all right. Uh, I think y'all actually kind of touched on this one. Um, three more real quick. We'll kind of fly through these. Um, you can just pretty much uh, laugh at the next two. Um, you are tired of conflict. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, I will say this. There are some churches where there's nothing but conflict. And and that that that's a that is a problem. Sure, yeah. That is that is not how church is supposed to be. Now, but but at the same time, you in the Bible you find godly mature men like Paul and Barnabas who were not immune from the fall to the degree that they they fought. I mean, they uh, that they didn't fight. They did fight with each other, and they even separated. But the church should not be a place of constant battles. And if you're in a church that is a, is a place of constant battles, then Pray hard for repentance, but that's not that's not the church. That's something. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, not even different. thinking of fisticuffs. I, I'm just saying. Oh, I, I know you're you're, you're constantly in I spiritual warfare, standing side by side with people. Yeah. 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 Well, to to you know, soul rending. Oh, okay, fights, I sure I, do. I, sure. Well, the next one kind of ties in with that. You want others to respect you, so you know, there's that idea that pastors. Hey, what they say goes. You know, you don't get to argue with the pastor, yeah. and maybe some people seek it out to be. 
big man on campus. Look, I, you, I would say about half the people have an unusually high amount of respect for a pastor and about half the people have an unusually low amount of respect for a pastor. So it kind of balances out. Yeah. Look, and, is, and, and both of those, I mean, the, the, the Bible's teaching to pastors, I mean, there's, there's so many things. The, the Bible seems to point us toward not having titles. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, Jesus said, don't, don't call anyone father. Don't call you know. And I'm not saying it's a sin for someone to call well, a pastor be. by by a title. Well, not, not for a person to call it, but for no, a pastor no, no, to no, crave. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. For a for a pastor to crave a title, I think is possibly sinful. Uh, well, I would say is sinful. Um, no, I'm saying I don't think it's necessarily sinful for someone to call you uh, as a as a as a act of respect or yeah. uh, but the bible says don't seek those things out the bible does not paint the picture of a pastor standing over a group of people like high above them saying you do this you do that the bible seems to point that you are among the the shepherd or the pastor is among the people on their level and is leading by love and teaching and service and serving mm-hmm. serving the body you want to be the the first then you're the last you serve and you point the way now on th- at the same time i think you can get into churches and places where people act like we don't need leaders uh, it's a, kind of the flip of an over emphasis on leadership it's an under emphasis the yeah. where we well, we don't really need leaders we don't have to have leadership we don't have to have quote unquote shepherds we just but then the bible definitely points toward it and there's verses in hebrews that tells us to obey our leaders which is a really um like even just reading that it's like it's, you know that's a Wow, that verse. But I think if you understand the teacher and the preacher's mandate to teach the Word of God, then you understand why people are, are told, obey your leaders, because they're mm-hmm. supposed to be teaching the Word, and the Word should be, should be obeyed, not the, leader's, well not the yeah. leader's whim. So yes, precisely. There's an under-emphasis of leadership. There's an over-emphasis of leadership, and, and uh, pastorally – uh, pastors seem to be kind of in the middle of that sometimes and, and need to find that right balance, which is hard. It is it is hard. Yeah. So um, I'll jump to the ironic, um, interesting part about this, and then I'll jump back to the one where we can end um, probably pretty happily on. At the bottom of this page, there is a ad to become a lead pastor resident at said church. Click here to apply, um, which is just awkward to me. Um, number 10, you want to make – a difference. Now, I'm going to jump in real quick and then throw it to you guys, but this article said 10 bad reasons to be a pastor, and, and I understand what they're saying. You should want to be used by Jesus to draw attention to him, um, and, I, and I get that. But I do think um, people who are drawn to ministry are, are drawn there in, in part because um, I think of the men in my life who, who have been instrumental in or been you know just um, – huge in my, my walk, my faith, and I see people that I love dearly, and I, I want to be that for them, not for my own gain. Not It's not Nick making a difference, but I do want to see a difference made in these people's lives, and by God's grace, I, I have different gifts and in, in, in parts of my personality that can do that. And so I think the right way, that's not a bad – I understand what the article is trying yeah. to convey. I, I think the right – honed by the Holy Spirit, I don't think that's bad – yeah, look, I would I, – I don't – that one – if somebody came up and said, how do I – why should I be a pastor? I would say it goes back, it goes back to calling. Look, pastoring in the Bible, 
pastor, shepherd, overseer, it is more of a task. It is more of a verb than a noun. Mm. It's not – the Bible doesn't necessarily huh, make it as a, a – it, it's a – you have it okay. You you have an over. There are positions in the Bible laid out. Let me say this correctly. There are church positions, church leadership positions. I think church offices that are laid out. I think overseer, um, elder, same uh, overseer, elder, pastor, oh. same position. <laughs> same, I saw it slip good that job. One in there. Same position. Then you have deacons or ministers. Um, pastoring, shepherding, poping, uh, poping seems to be a wow. function of that office, of an overseer, an elder's office. So um, I, I think, you know, when it comes to being a quote-unquote pastor, they're probably talking about the church position. Um, but I think there's a pastoring gift that you can have in the body of Christ without actually holding a position of elder or overseer, yes, something we don't have the agree with that. time to go into tonight. But yeah. Well, that's 10 on that one, so... Well, guys, it was fun. We almost cut that out time-wise. I'm glad we went through that. Well, not, I don't know. Fine, it was. I don't know. I think it was useful. It was good. Well, look, I, I expected it to be a little bit more punchy, and, I, and I'm, I like some of the roads we went down. Um, I wanted to punch David. Does that count? All oh wait, day no, I didn't. Long. He said something nice about me. I wanted to hug him. Hey, I'm not uh, going to hug you. That would be awkward. I wanted to. We've got uh, listener feedback. I have a question about a chair. Coming up, guys, um, to end the show tonight. Um, And uh, as usual from uh, the Twitter and the Hall of Dogma. We're not supposed to say the Twitter. Well, hey, as we're getting into feedback. The general, I don't mind what. As we're getting into feedback, I wanted to give a shout-out to our friend of the show, Rob W. Johnson, who, even though... He uh, offend, He broke my heart the first week of the uh, Gospel Friends uh, Fantasy Football League by <laughs> defeating me on the football court. Uh, the football court. That's awesome. Football wow. court. That is great. Field. Wow. We are um, A rare mistake by Chase. Uh, it's usually you and I. Hey, um, look at Though he defeated me in fantasy football, this week he had an epic discussion on his Facebook page defending the faith against two really hardened skeptics. And I say it was not an argument. It was not a fight. Rob uh, Rob handled himself well, presented the truth well, was patient, uh, argued well. Um, I don't again. I don't mean argue as in an argument, but presenting uh, arguments for the faith. And and I, even though I came into the discussion too late to, to participate in it, I just wanted to say, man, I, Rob, good job. Way to uphold the truth and to do it in a godly uh, way. And there was like a hundred comments that he was in, he was wow. kind of being uh, double teamed on, and he, he did a good job. He did it. Uh, I I didn't get to read it, but you were telling me about it. it seemed like he certainly did a good job. Now is this Sparty on? Robert, yeah, he's uh, a yep, big. He's yep. a he's a uh, Michigan State. Okay, you're being avenged because um, he is getting uh, manhandled by oh my team. That's week. good. Hey, I'm I'm beating uh, our old friend Jared Baker as well this week, even though he's in uh, second place. Um, I'm coming to get you, Jared. Well, guys, I'm going to. Uh, I was losing the last time I checked, and I, I need to. Uh, I made a rookie. Fantasy football mistake, even though I am not a rookie. I want to interrupt you there real quick. I heard Nick about a guy earlier. You know how Demarius Thomas like totally went off today. Dude. I heard some idiot kept him on the bench. Could you I uh, believe he scored would do like five hundred points? Amazing. Amazing. Look, I, I thought I had. Could you let I'm me sorry, finish I my story, you, David? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so I'm so losing right now to uh, Nathan Martin. 
Uh, who's three and one? Nathan, the Heavenly Raptors. I am uh, losing losing to him um, by nineteen points. Um, now I still That's have a, a close game. I still have a few guys left, and um, I think I'm I think I'm going to be okay on the end. But we were talking about how uh, D. Thomas went off who's today. This? Demarius. Oh yeah, Thomas yeah. went off today, and uh, I went to see how many points he'd got me, and that was when I realized that I had put him on my bench last week because he was on a bye. Oh yeah, of course you do. And yeah. I forgot to move him back this week. Oh, you mean Demarius Thomas, the guy that got fifty four point six yes, fantasy points today, he, the most of any player in the NFL today. He scored fifty four point six points sitting on my Ooh. bench. That is a kick in the royal backside. I would so be, that's at J David McConnell on Twitter. If you just want to throw up a hashtag fifty four point six. Nice. Um, um, I'm a two and two. The ninjas there with Nick. They're three and one. Of course, we're not counting this week's games. And uh, the chaser is two and two as well. The thundering Paul. I think so. you can probably go ahead and move mine to a four and one. And you, yeah, it looks yeah, like Nick's uh, got a good team in the league. Are Jeremiah, you the fighting mongooses, appear to be number one at okay. four and O. Oh. Oh wow, that's impressive! Uh, now is uh, let's see if he's uh, the fighting mongoose is actually is losing right now to the fantasy phenom. So oh, it's on. He may be about to uh, go down. All right, before you. we lose all our non-American football people, <laughs> maybe we better get back to some of the other feedback. Um, we got a great, uh, encouraging tweet from Old Paths Guide, uh, who said, "Thanks so much for the biblical faithfulness addressing a controversial in some camps issue." Uh, having to do with the last week's show on should Christians drink? Yeah, and uh, an- another feedback from last week's show. We we uh, talked about our um, southern accents. I think somebody had said mentioned our accents. Oh boy, drawls even. Well, Funky Stickman came back and said that um, that it's a you know we have a southern drawl. He said on a scale of one to ten, your southern drawl index collectively is about a three to four. So he's kind of putting us down on the low end. Wow, thank you. But then Chase, oh no, <laughs> Chase had to ask. Scientifically speaking, back to Funky Stick Man, who would you say is the drawliest? Which, by the way, needs to go in our uh, Gospel Friends dictionary. I think drawliest. so. For at Super Dad, and I don't know what he said back. But anyway, so let's move on. I think to, he said, "Well, would have to say David, Nick, and Chase only draw out draw out their R's a little." So, David, oh, you yeah. get the Southern Chieftain I mean, Award of the Week. Is it a bad thing to talk like a Southern man when you are one? Oh, shucks. I don't think so. Is that a Southern or Southern? I don't know. Southern. I have never – look, I, 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 I listen southern. to ESPN podcasts, and they have a NASCAR ad running right now, and those people talking on there make me cringe at the level of Southern accents they have. I've never thought our accents are that bad, but we've heard from other people around the country that uh, that they're at least uh, Look, as long as noticeable. I can't be – and this, this is really a area joke, but – as long as I can't be confused with Phyllis from Mulga from the Paul Feinbaum show, I'm fine. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants to be confused with that. At Let There Be Movies said, uh, in regards to episode 17, that constipated joke really blocked up the whole flow of the conversation. Oh, my word. Wow. I don't really know what that means, um, but it sounds funny. That was your, uh, yeah, a little, see, a little more feedback on your constipated joke. Uh, church member Anon at Anon Church member actually said that we don't have draws, we have accents. 
I, I prefer accent to draw. It sounds uh, smarter. Less redneck. Less redneck. <laughs> Less Thank redneck. You. I have a question about this one from at I am Super Dad. He said, if I could print out the picture in my mind of Chase at the beach, you would forever know him as Aquaman the way I do. Right. What is wow. um, what is that? Now I'm glad he said that, not Little Mermaid. But what is uh, <laughs> oh my word? What does that have to do with anything, Chase? Look, I've had two nicknames in my day. One is Ace, I guess, because it rhymed with my name. The other is Aquaman, because once I get into the water, I don't get out very well. Like, I like swimming. Like you, you, you fumble and stumble your way of getting out like you can't get out or you no, just don't i like being in the water so okay. they, they they okay people used to call me aquaman don't they, I, I swam a lot i at i am super dad tweet us and and, and verify if that's what you meant because i'm kind of picturing some maybe some kind of weird swimsuit or something chase had. that or he needed aquaman to save him he's yeah right. i just want to make sure that he's he's telling us we heard from a, a new listener this week uh, at depressed christian I'm sorry, I was laughing at um, a joke off the air. Um, now I wasn't laughing at the Twitter handle, I'm laughing at David's reaction. Your southern twangs brighten my day from deepest black to darkest gray. That is one of my oh. favorite tweets we've ever received. I, oh, my. Their uh, picture was Eeyore, wasn't it? It was Eeyore. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, well, thank you, Depressed cool. Christian. Uh, I, I, cheer up. Yeah, cheer up. A I'll little feel, bit. feel uh, better, but that's some good poetry right there. That's probably a bad thing to tell. A depressed Christian. Well, yes, we were being tongue in cheek. I'm, I'm assuming that. that their Twitter is kind of a. Oh, hopefully it's an anonymous. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Know. Jones Podcasting, by the way, set us straight. He said, "I've tweeted you before, and I live in Texas." Because we were talking last week, we had not heard from Texas people. We, have, we have a ton of listeners nice. in Texas, based on the statistics, but we don't hear from them as much. But uh, thank you, Jones Podcasting. Uh, at Megan Lindley three said, "I'm only three minutes. I mean, I'm, I'm only eleven minutes into podcast episode eighteen, and I really, really want to help y'all out." Hashtag Where's Dutch at? That's awfully funny. Can I, I? It's not going to matter at this point, but I really knew where that Dutch wasn't a country. I, there's sometimes sure you, you know, know if things that, that you last, do to be funny. Last week, maybe we would have believed you, but uh, I, I do believe after you. after a week of Google, I don't think we're going to uh, get to some more feedback. Uh, we've actually now it won't make a lot of difference to the listeners, but uh, typically we record this on Sunday night. We're going to have a short week this week, guys, because yeah. uh, we've got uh, we're going to be recording a little early in the week, and so we're going to get to some more feedback. So you want to cut it here right below depressed days. Christian. Uh, that means uh, <laughs> Salaboom Head. We're, we'll go to your Better feedback than cut it right before next. depressed Christian. Well, that is true. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get some uh, more feedback in into uh, next week's show and hopefully some new feedback. Uh, but it'll it'll be a short week for us this week, so we may not have as much. But we may re- release the podcast. We haven't decided when we're going to release. I will probably release at the same time. But same bat time. Yeah, same bat same channel. Bat channel okay. But uh, we may be a little bit messed up on our feedback. Point you to the Hall of Dogma again for this week. Great discussions going oh on goodness. there. Uh, we Love had some it. discussions going on regarding the debate on music uh, from last week that Nick brought up. And so yep. uh, uh, Jeff Hendricks, John Talley, all getting in on the Hall of Dogma discussing Christian music, secular mu- music going back and forth. Uh, Tony Vance um, continued the discussion about drinking. Yep. and With uh, some very good points. With some good points and verses and a blog that he had wrote on the mm-hmm. issue. Yep. Um, posted there in the Hall of Dogma, you can see. Kristen Brown picked up a uh, box of honeycomb with twisted marshmallows nice. at the store and said that he had that for future contest winners. That's I, a good cereal. I think we should get money from 
Oh my goodness! Post, post. Wow. because I would I would bet you that Kristen picked that up um, simply because you bet you he um, he had saw it on the show. I bet, I, you, I, bet, I bet you're right. Hey, real quick about the whole dogma. I, I will, you know, we um, we talked about it last week at the end of the show, but um, much respect and appreciation to everyone for having conversations and it not derailing into – look. And not being jerks. I've not yeah, seen anything. I mean, it has been – Everybody's keeping it civil, yeah, keeping it, you know, Christ-like. And, it, and like I said, some, some vastly different opinions, but everybody's being cool. And, and we do appreciate that because it is we're, – we're not really in the place yet uh, where we can moderate the hall right. all the time. And and so um, sometimes you get on some of these sites and you have to moderate them because you have to be able to go in and delete comments that are inappropriate. We've not seen anything um, unless we just missed it. And even this week, Jeff Hendricks uh, he called it a theological hand grenade, and it was it was you know probably along those lines. He brought up the uh, the topic of predestination <laughs> and, and you know being called um, versus you know. Um, Coming to Christ mm-hmm. um, as a choice, and and so the last I looked, that thing had like sixty comments on it, um, something like that, and wow. uh, and it was all good discussion and questions that was happening. So thanks to everybody for that, and hopefully people are getting good things out of those discussions. It seems like it. I, I know I've enjoyed reading them. When I've got well, I, I appreciated Chris Stoddard's post, uh, which got uh, what forty something comments when he asked. Uh, what what kind of guys do you listen to? What kind of teachers do you podcast or download? And his were uh, David Wilkerson, Carter Conlin, who I believe succeeded David Wilkerson, Shane Eidelman, who, and Bill Wilson, who I have not listened to yet, and a bit of Derek Prince. And uh, if you're looking for some uh, biblical pastors to listen to, there's a really good list in that discussion group. Absolutely. And Josh Laney gave us a, uh, a nice uh, video of a uh, – how to play oceans on the drums? Actually, <laughs> oh, maybe how to not play. Yeah, perhaps. Oceans Look, I know why that guy did that. Drums. I've heard the studio version of that. And I understand why he did that. That was partly him. That was partly the mix. But there was I a think that times was supposed it. to be parody. Look, I don't know. I, I, he looked serious to me. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure it was parody. But let's let's hey, hope so. Let me drop back. Um, Chris, if you will, um, on the gentleman Bill Wilson, if you'll shoot a link to somewhere we can find his stuff, because I. I know of an evangelist or, or pastor from a few years back. I'm just trying to figure out the same guy. So, anyway, sorry. Tony Vance gave us another good uh, video this week. Uh, Tony, I don't know where he finds these, but this one was um, karate meets gospel something. No, it was uh, it was rap. It was. I don't think there's any gospel in that. Okay, video so then. this one's just a secular. That's a karate rap. This is just a secular. Uh, uh, video. Yeah, Maybe we should moderate it out. Uh, Can we have secular videos in there? That is, it, it's funny, but it is hands down. Hey, the Mr. Worst. Cult of Personality. <laughs> it is hands no, down yeah, the worst rapping. <laughs> Love that song that has ever been done. Thank you, in Jeff. the world. It, it was bad. All right, I'm giving post of the week in the Hall of Dogma to me to Ra- oh, Rachel Kathy. Oh my friend who, of the show, Rachel Kathy. Who uh, Rachel? Oh, <laughs> Did you say from the show, Rachel? Friend Kathy? of the show. Oh, I thought you said from the show, Rachel no. Kathy, like she had her own show. She anyway, show. she funny. has post of the week um, a uh, picture illustration, a guide on how to gird up your loins. I told you loins was going to come up again, was, but I wasn't being prophetic, just predictive. Can we land Why the plane Why are you staring now? at me? Uh, nothing. 
but how so do, if how you do if you, you have some loins and you need them girded up, there's an illustrated picture out on the Hall of Dogma Facebook page. You it's a little it awkward looking. I'll, I'll just be honest with you, but it's funny. Well, guys, it's been a great show. Wait, wait, no, we can't leave yet. I got. I have a question before we leave, Chase. Okay, is it about loins? No, it's not. Okay. Why was your wife selling massive amounts of furniture on Facebook this week? I, I, t- I don't get on Facebook every day. I usually get on there and check the Hall of Dogma. But I, I was checking my feed, yep. and I came across like 19 posts from your wife selling furniture on Facebook. And, and tools. And some tools. And, and tools and power saws, uh, which would be a tool. And uh, so I <laughs> – Get, get up, get up my there, first guess, Chase, was that. What did he do? My first guess was she was trying to pay for the iPhone six. <laughs> yeah. But then guess. I texted Chase and I said, Chase, is your wife trying to pay for your iPhone? And he looked on Facebook and he texted me back and he said, I don't recognize any of that stuff. And so the conclusion that I reached is that that Janet has more than one family and. She was having an estate sale from her other family or something. Um, that was uh, that was a valid conclusion. Everything you said is true. All of that really wow. in real life happened. I did not recognize in any of that stuff. I assumed that somehow, some way, when I was uh, not uh, not paying attention or sleeping or away from the house, that my wife had become a fence, uh, somebody who sells <laughs> stolen goods. But it turns out that uh, she was selling those on behalf of her parents. Uh, a much more mundane explanation. I okay. I think I think my explanations were better. <laughs> well, you'll be getting a text from her, I'm sure, to correct you on that. I, I tell you, while ruining a good story, she with probably the feels better about you getting the iPhone six plus since you bought her an iPhone six as well. So. Oh, great. Can you oh, edit that you, out, Nick? Did Be you, glad to. Oh, oh, oh. That was me. I bought my wife an iPhone 6. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. I guess let's let's get out. I, that was a mistake. Great show, guys. It's been nice knowing you and nice being a married pastor. Uh, I hear there are denominations that accept pastors who've gone through troubles, and I look forward to joining one of them in the next <laughs> few months. Episode 19 has been real. That's not what you can do. Bye. Sad. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself.